Well, good morning. morning. How's everybody? Good. It's so good to see everybody. If you're joining us online, thanks for hanging out with us via live stream. Um, My name is John. I get to be the teaching pastor here, and it is truly a joy to get to kick off Holy Week with you. Uh, It's really exciting. I mean, some of you may be going, really? You're asking us to come to church four times in eight days? Really? That's a lot of church. It's a lot of that John guy. I don't know. Don't worry. You won't hear me all the time. But uh, no, we're excited. We're excited about what's to come. And um, if you're a guest with us, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks for, honestly, we just feel honored and privileged that you would give up some of your morning to come and see what uh, this place is all about. So thanks for coming and being with us. Uh, One of the things that Pastor Tim and I really, uh, really focus on, we would like to do, is to make sure that we're just kind of real people, right? We just love to be kind of upfront and honest and vulnerable. Uh, And so we'll share kind of how messed up we are. Uh, just so you don't feel so alone. I just called them messed up and they laughed. Do you realize that? That's good. Um, and uh, so today I thought I would start with a confession. Does that sound good? Okay. I have, I have a little bit of a problem with control. I like to control things in my life. And when things aren't in my control, I'm not happy. Anybody out there like me? Uh, okay, good. I was a little nervous to ask that. I uh, thought I might be alone. So, no, right? I mean, control. And trust me, I, I know there are big things in my life that uh, I just, you know, I'm so worried. I try and control. But I know I have a problem when there are some smaller things in my life, things that maybe um, aren't as life or death, right? They're not as big, but I still want to control them. Uh, the, one of the stories I can think of was last year, we want to take our three foster sons on a cruise with us. Now, uh, we knew that was going to be a big endeavor, not just because we decided to take a two-year-old, four-year-old, and six-year-old on a cruise. Like, please don't fall overboard. Please. Oh, that was scary. Trust me. Um, but also because of our foster sons, there's so many more things you have to do in order to make that happen, right? Uh, we have to have their original birth certificates. We have to have signed documents from the court. We have to have extra letters and all this stuff. So probably six months before the cruise was set to take place, I am calling everybody, emailing everybody, telling them, here's what we need, here's what we need to buy, this is what we need, make sure you have it, because I'm in control, I got this ready, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to let them miss out, right? I want them to have this experience, because they've never, I mean, the farthest they've gone out of state state of Michigan was to Ohio, it's a great state, by the way, but that's the farthest (laughs) they've gone. But that's the farthest they've gone, right? They've never seen the ocean, they've never been on a boat, and so I want to make sure this would happen. So, the week of the trip comes, we're going to leave on Friday, drive through the night Friday night, get on the boat Saturday, and we're going out of New Jersey. And so on Monday, I start looking through just to make sure. I've been in control this whole time. We've got everything. And I'm looking through, and I go, huh, I don't have our youngest birth certificate. But that's okay, because they promised me. They said, you know what, no, it's right here in this envelope. We have it in this file. It's no big deal. I said, you know what, they probably already had it. They just forgot to give it to me. So I call them. I'm getting an answer, so I'll leave a message. And I want to be a little bit in control, so then I email them. And then I call them again. And then I email somebody else. And I'm not hearing back. And then Tuesday comes around. I still hadn't heard anything. I'm like, we're leaving Friday. It's not a big deal. Their office is in Pontiac. I can just drive there. I can get it. Nothing Tuesday. Wednesday, I finally get through to somebody, probably because I bugged them enough. And I finally get through. And they said, oh, you know, uh, we finally opened that envelope that we said it had his birth certificate. And it was just a copy and not even a good one. So good luck. And I was like, well, what are you doing? They're like, no, no, oh, you know what we can do? We can order one. It, it, it comes in two days. So be here on Friday. You can pick it up, and then you guys can leave. It'll be okay. Well, thanks for the breathing room, right? 
So I'm like, okay, all right, all right, it's going to be okay. I've, I've done my work. And, you know, they said, well, I know you told us. Yeah, you're done right. I was in control, right? I kept telling you. Friday comes along. I said, man, I, they haven't called me yet. It was like 9.05. They opened at 9. But they hadn't called me yet. <laughs> and so I said, well, I'm going to call. So I call, and on, the, on comes this nice message. Our office will be closed today to celebrate Veterans Day. You say, what? I mean, I love our veterans. I'm glad they can close their office, but not that day. What are you doing? No, no, no. So finally, I start calling all these emergency numbers. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Well, John, we, we ordered, if they finally get somebody to answer, uh, and um, I think she just felt really bad for me. I finally get somebody to answer, and she said, we ordered on, on Wednesday, and it takes two days, but today's a holiday, so there's no mail. Good luck. Good luck. I can tell you, I, I was devastated, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I thought I was in control, and I wasn't. It didn't work out that way. I mean, how many times have you been through something like that in your life, right? Something that you thought, man, I've done everything I'm supposed to do, and it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. Or, man, I, I thought I was in control of how my life is going today, or I thought I knew what my plans are tomorrow, but, man, they're just not, they're not working out that way. I think we all can relate in some way or another, right? We all can say, man, I thought I was in control. And today what I want to say is, you know, you might be sitting there going, control? What does control have to do with Palm Sunday besides controlling your palms so you don't bother the person in front of you, right? What does it have to do? Well, today we're going to dive in to Palm Sunday and see what it's about. And you're going to see there's actually a big battle for control happening on Palm Sunday. And so as Pastor Tim said, what we're going to do is we kick off this series for Holy Week. We're going to compare uh, to, we're actually read two texts, not actually compare, but read two texts. And uh, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. And again, you may be sitting there going, but Holy, okay, I don't even know what Palm Sunday is. What is Holy Week? What's the point? Um, well, for us, we can look to the Gospels. So the Gospels, if you don't know, are the first four books of the New Testament, right? And it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's primarily where Jesus' life and ministry is written about, right? The rest of the New Testament kind of talks about the church and more applying uh, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection to our lives and how do we carry that out. And what we get from them is we get that this week is so important. We could even say it's kind of the peak or the pinnacle of what our faith is built upon. So when you look at it, there are 89 chapters all together throughout all four Gospels, 89. Only four cover the first 30 years of Jesus' life. So we don't really know a whole lot of what happened in his first 30 years. 85 chapters covered the last three and a half years. Of that 85 chapters, 29 chapters, more than a third, cover just the last week of his life, what we would call Holy Week. And so they dedicate this much a time and attention to Holy Week. Certainly there's a reason, right? And that's why we do. That's why we have all these extra services and we want to spend this time together really diving in so that we don't miss out on the significance and importance of this. And so Palm Sunday is what kicks this off. And what happened right before Palm Sunday was that uh, the, uh, his, one of his buddies named Lazarus died. And he died and he was in the tomb for days and um, he, Jesus was, was there and Jesus actually raised him back to life. He brought him back to life. And I can tell you, people were pretty shocked, right? Jesus had done a lot of miracles and a lot of different things, but that one was different. That one was in their hometown. They knew what was going on. So much so, the town that it was in it's actually called Lazaria today, after Lazarus, because that was such a big deal. But what it did was while it made the crowds really excited about Jesus, it made the religious leaders, the people who thought they had control, control of their religion, control of their people, 
it made them nervous because they started to say, we're not in control. We thought we've done everything. We thought, you know, they kept trying to quietly discredit Jesus, right? They kept trying to kind of push him off to the side, just brush him away, like, just make this nuisance go away. We have control. And instead, Jesus is raising people back from the dead. So people are excited. People are pumped up about what's to happen and what's to come. And so what we're going to do is we're going to read, like I said, an Old Testament and New Testament passage. And the difference between the Old Testament and New Testament isn't one that's it's just older. The Old Testament is. But you could really say it's the First Testament. Right? It's all about God's purpose and plan to bring us back to himself, our plan of salvation. And so what you could say the Old Testament is, it's where we read about God revealing his plan to his people. And the New Testament is where we read about God fulfilling his plan to us. So the Old Testament, it's revealed, and the New Testament, it's fulfilled. So we're going to take a look at the two texts, one where we see it revealed, and one where we see it fulfilled. So our first text is Zechariah 9.9 in your chair Bible. So if you're in the front row, they're underneath your seat. Uh, If you're in any of the other seats, they're right in front of you. Um, You're welcome to use your Bible app on your phone, or just look on the screen. It's going to be there as well. But it's page 797 in the chair Bibles. It'll be Zechariah 9.9. Now, Zechariah was a prophet. A prophet is somebody who has been called by God to speak on behalf of God to God's people. Sometimes that wasn't so good news. Other times it was great news. And that's what Zechariah is doing here. This was written about 518 to 520 BC. That's before Christ, right? Over 500 years before Jesus. This is what Zechariah wrote. He said, Rejoice greatly, daughter, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. What I love about that, I mean, this, this is a prophet who sometimes has to give bad news. And here he is. He's going, Look, I'm going to make this a big deal. You need to get this. Rejoice greatly, right? Shout aloud. This is not a small thing. I'm not just telling you a little bit of something. This is a big deal. The other thing that's interesting is typically in the Old Testament when they use the phrase daughter of, daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem, no offense to daughters out there, um, but it's not necessarily the best. What it means is there's an estrangement. There's a separation between the people and God. And what Zechariah is doing here is he's pointing to that fact that, hey, You've been estranged, but guess what? You need to be excited because of this. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So here's God revealing to his people, you've been estranged, but guess what? My plan is in place, and this is how you're going to know that my plan is in work. Right? You're going to see your king coming, mounted on the foal of a donkey. Interesting. So we look at our New Testament passage for today. It comes from the first uh, book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 21. It's on page 826 in your chair Bibles. And here, again, Matthew, right, he's writing about the life of Jesus. So he's kicking off our Holy Week with a fulfillment, right, with God's promise fulfilled in the text in Zechariah. We're even going to see Zechariah's text right in here. All right, 21 verses 1 through 11. It says, Now when they drew near, that's Jesus and his followers, to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, uh, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied with, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, Well, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Wouldn't that be nice? Like, I wish I could say to some of you, Hey, that guy down there has a great Camaro in his garage, go take it, and if he says anything, just say, hey, Pastor John needs it. And the guy will go, peace, go hey, have fun, right? Not gonna happen, am I right, Larry? Am I right? Larry's got a nice Camaro. He is not giving that up to me, I can tell you that right now. Uh, but this is Jesus, right? Jesus is in control. Jesus knows what's about to happen. Let's go to the next slide. 
This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet that we just read, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Next slide. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees. Branches, which is why you guys have palms today, right? It's not Palm Sunday, it's a palm, right? Good. Uh, and they spread them on the road. And the crowds then went before him, and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus of Nazareth, from Nazareth of, Nazareth of Galilee. Sometimes talking is hard. What I love is they knew, they knew the prophecies. And so when they stood there and shouted, Hosanna, it means save us, right? Hosanna, the son of David, save us, son of David. Save us in the highest, save us. This is their prayer. This is what they were shouting. They knew something was happening, right? They knew that this guy had just raised somebody from the dead. So when we start to break this down and break this uh, up to kind of study, what does this mean for us? What is the uh, what does Palm Sunday mean for you and for me in our lives today? Is it just that we kick off the rest of the week and we, we worry and we wait for the, or we wait for the rest of the week to happen? No, there's something to learn here. And so when we look at why were there crowds, I can tell you there weren't crowds because um, they were excited about a guy coming in on a donkey, right? That would be like me running in here saying, hey, everybody, let's go out to 23 Mile Road. There's a guy coming in on an 88 Toyota Tercel. And see, you're not excited. You know why? It's not exciting. That was my first car, I know. Right? It is not an exciting car at all. So they're not just pumped up. Now, here's the thing. They knew the prophecy. So in some regards, they were excited. But really, they were most excited because they had seen him. They had heard of the stories that he had raised somebody from the dead. And they were there. They were there to honestly, honestly to start to control the situation. Sometimes we like to idealize the people in the scriptures and we forget they were people. They are messed up as us, right? And so what was happening was they weren't there just to worship God. They weren't there just to say, Lord, save us and do whatever you want and you're king and we're going to follow you. No, instead they were there to say, okay, our king is here and we need to make sure he's king and he does what we need him to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to fulfill that. We're going to fulfill that scripture. We're going to fulfill uh, that prophecy, and we're going to make sure that we, we put those palms down, and he's going to ride on donkey, we're going to say the hosannas, we're going to say, Hosanna, save us, right? We're going to do that, but our hope is, our hope is that he then does what we need him to do. And what they want him to do is to be king of their right now, right? King of their situation right now. They wanted their best life now. And so they thought, well, we make him king, he's going to come in, he's going to be our conquering king, he's going to lead us, we're going to defeat our enemies, we're going to have our land, we're going to be a strong nation again. We are going to have the life that we always wanted. And the reality was that was them trying to take control. And trying to say, hey, Jesus, don't really care what your plan is. Here's ours. So then why a donkey? Why would God choose a donkey? Even all the way back in 520 B.C. when he wrote this, right? When he inspired Zechariah to write this. Why would he choose a donkey? Well, in my opinion, it's because he knew. He knew the, the control 
battle that was about to happen, that was going to happen when Jesus would ride in. And so he didn't have him come riding in on a stallion. He didn't have him come riding in on something like powerful and mighty. I mean, I mean, Jesus could have built a tank for all he wanted, right? He could have come riding in on a tank. Wouldn't that be cool? Jesus riding a tank. But he didn't. God said, no, I'm going to have him ride on a donkey. You know why? Because they're going to think they're in control. But I want them to know I'm in control. And so when Jesus comes riding in on a donkey, it's not because it's, he's going to do what they want him to do. It's because he's going to come in humbly. He's going to come in as a servant and as a king. He's going to come in to do what we need to do, not what they want us to do. So there was this struggle for control. So then why? Why is it so important that Jesus is king? Why is it so important that he's king in this situation? Why can't he just be a savior? Why can't he just save them? Why can't he just do what they need him to do? What's well, important because a king isn't a king because enough people voted for him. He's not a president, right? He doesn't get power and authority because the people give him power and authority. He doesn't have power and authority because he impressed enough people and they said, yeah, we like your plan. We're going to go with you. No, a king is a king because of whose son he is. And see, he's the son of God. That's what makes him the king. And as the king, guess what? He does what's right, not what's, what's popular. And so as we look at the crowds today, they had such a different mindset and such a different goal and a hope for that last week of Jesus' life. And frankly, if we think about it, why did he need to be king? Can you imagine if he would have done it based on popularity? Can you imagine if he had them vote on what they wanted him to do? Like, all in favor of me dying on a cross, raise your hands. Guess how many would have voted for that? None. No, there's no way. There was a, how can you lead us into victory if you're dead? Right? That would have never been their plans. Why? Because they were worried about right now. They were worried about what they wanted. Jesus knew what they needed. And see, the reality is the problem has been the same for us as people since the Garden of Eden, since Adam and Eve. We have always, always tried to be king of our own lives today, tomorrow, and forever. Honestly, it's been the struggle since day one. We want to be in charge. We want to be in control. We want to be king. We want to know what's going on. And I get it, right? When we think about being king of our lives today, we want to be in control of what's happening, what's happening with our finances, what's happening with our health, what's happening with our relationships, what's happening with our kids. I mean, I don't know how many parents I hear tell me, man, I did this for my kids and this for my kids and this for my kids and this for my kids, and I thought they would turn out this way, and they're over here somewhere, right? I thought I was in control. Why are they over here? Or when we talk about being king of our lives tomorrow, it's that future plans that we have, those things that we hope and dream of, that we think, man, if I just do A plus B plus C, I'm going to get D. That's what, that's what the world promises. That's what's going to happen. And so often, we do all the right things. We try so hard. We put all the plans in place. And guess what? We get let down. The reality smacks us in the face that we're not in control. And whether it's a relationship, it's our health, our careers, our finances, whatever those hopes and dreams for tomorrow are, so often they don't work out the way that we would hope. What I think that does often is that then it makes us be challenged in letting Jesus be king of our forevers. 
what I mean by that is how often do we struggle with kind of some worth issues and go, you know, I know Jesus died on the cross and he forgave my sins and I, and I trust that. I trust that he forgave me and that because of that I get to go to heaven. But, you know, I'm sure there's more I have to do. Right? I'm sure, I'm sure I have to, man, if I don't start acting better or if I don't do this or maybe I don't start going to church enough or if I don't, you know, go to this Bible study or that Bible study or if I don't start giving more, whatever, I'm sure Jesus is going to go, you know what, I'm going to take that gift back. And we'll start to try and control that. That's what that really is, is control. We like to know that there's something I can do to please God. But here's the reality. Only Jesus can be king. Only Jesus, right? When we try to battle him and struggle with that, all we're doing, all we're doing is we're putting more on ourselves than we can handle. Only Jesus can be king. And only Jesus can be king because he is king. He is king, and he knows what we need today and tomorrow and forever. And Jesus has done everything possible to take care of those needs. And my prayer for you and for me today is that we will trust rather than control. And I get it, it is hard. It is hard to trust. It is hard to say, you know what? All right, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust that you know what's going to happen. I'm going to trust that you know what's right. You know, these test results didn't come back the way I wanted, but I'm going to trust you. Or, you know, this relationship isn't going the way I wanted, but I'm going to trust you. This job isn't going the way I want, but I'm going to trust you. My kids are struggling right now, but I'm going to trust you. It is so hard. And frankly, it takes way more courage to trust rather than control. So much more. But as we think about, as we think about trusting Jesus with our todays and our tomorrows and our forevers, we can't forget that what he did that day by riding in on a donkey was to set himself up to give it all up for us. See, that day that he rode in on the donkey, it was the 10th day of Nisan, not the car. Uh, it's a month in the Jewish calendar. And when Jesus was coming into town, he was coming into town during a festival called, a festival called Passover. This is when uh, the people would celebrate the fact that God had rescued them and had saved them, right? It was a way to point forward to how God would save them again. And so what God had asked them to do when they celebrated Passover was to sacrifice an unblemished lamb, a lamb that was perfect, that didn't deserve to die, but they would sacrifice that lamb. And that lamb would continue to point them to the fact that their God would save them through a similar act. And so Jesus is coming riding in on a donkey on the 10th day of Nisan. And the 10th day is just four days before they would actually sacrifice the lamb. This is the day, the day that he rode in on a donkey, the, the day that our king humbled himself, sat on a, not even a full-grown donkey, right? The colt of a donkey. That is the day that the families would go out and they would choose their unblemished lamb to sacrifice. And here is our king saying, you are so worth it to me. That I know you struggle and I know you sin and I know you can never put these pieces together. You can never be in control enough 
to save yourself. I get it, and so I'm going to come. I'm going to be your unblemished lamb. You don't even have to find the lamb yourself. I'm going to ride in, and I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to die on that cross. I'm going to rise again and defeat death so that you, you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about your life today. You don't have to worry about it tomorrow, and you especially don't have to worry about it forever because I've got it handled. And let me tell you, there is no president that's ever offered their life for me. There is no person that's ever said, you really deserve to die? I don't, but I'm going to go ahead and die for you. And so as we think about, can I really trust Jesus? Can I really just trust him with these things? I know it's so hard. I know some of these things are huge. And sometimes you're just wondering, if I take that step, I'm just going to shatter my life. How can that be put back together? Or maybe you look at the pieces around you, how, how can I handle this? Why would God let this happen? Why is this happening around me? Why is it not going the way I want it to go? I know these are huge doubts and struggles that we have. But if we have a God who is willing, willing to ride in on a donkey, to die a gruesome death, all for me, maybe, just maybe, I can have peace and trust that God, trust that King. Let me tell you, there's no better picture of this from me than this picture here. You see, that Friday, that Friday I didn't know what to do. My wife and I talked, and we just prayed. And we said, God, we just really want these boys to experience this. And I don't know, maybe you don't want them to. Maybe we're just going to go for a fun ride to New Jersey and back. <laughs> Thank you for understanding. But God, I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna give it to you. And so we packed up the van, and let me tell you, when you take three boys on a week-long trip, there is a lot of stuff to take, <laughs> right? And then to top it off, my wife insisted that we needed a triple stroller. Did you know they made these? I didn't know they make these things. She's like, no, we need one of these. We need. I said, no, we don't. I kept trying to talk her out of it. So here we go. Our six-year-olds in the far back, like this, for. 13 hours of a car ride because there's a triple stroller and 14 suitcases in there, right? Like, really, we need that? Okay. And we started driving, and we drove, and we drove, and we drove, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed. Literally, I'm driving, everybody else is saying, my God, you got to have this. God, you got to have this. I, I don't know what else to do. There's nothing else I can do. God, you got to have this. And honestly, I wasn't really trusting. Honestly, I was like trying to twist his arm. Like, God, these boys deserve this, <laughs> right? <laughs> trying to be in control. So we pull into New Jersey, and um, we start unloading the boys, and I get them in that triple stroller. That thing is tough to steer. Holy cow. I'm trying to like, maneuver it around. If you've ever been on a cruise or anything like Disney, you know the, like, the lines that are there, right? There are so many lines. So we get all our stuff. We have the boys, and we get in this line that's forever in a day. And all of a sudden, there's a person on the other side going, hey, come over here. Apparently, there's a line for triple strollers. Okay, they take wheelchairs and scooters too, but they, they took us and they said, come over here. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, let's skip this giant line. All these people next to us, what are they doing? Should have bought a triple stroller. <laughs> so we get up there and we get up there and, and, we're, and you know, we have to go through the metal detectors, all that, and then we get to the person that's supposed to check over all of our documents, right? This is the time. I'm breathing, I'm like, oh, God, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And then I notice that, well, the, the guy that's working there, he's kind of new. <laughs> I 
so he takes our stuff and he's looking through it. And Have a great trip. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Thank you. <laughs> Honey, let's go. Right? Run like you stole something. I, I mean, <laughs> we were on that ship fashion week, right? And here's the crazy thing. That all happened not because I was in control, but because God is. God is. And I know it's small, and I know it's simple, and I know it's to get to go on a cruise. But for me, I sit there and I think, God, it's amazing what you orchestrated. That poor fellow thought, I've been praying for a job, and God gave me a job. It was, us. It was for us. <laughs> God's like, I've got to give a new guy a job so he doesn't know what he's doing so John and the kids can get on, right? <laughs> and then I see this picture. God loves me, but God loves my boys enough to orchestrate all that. Now, when I thought I was in control, I wasn't. But he always was. And they weren't worried. They knew it was going to be handled. And they got to experience something they've never experienced before. And I can tell you, when I see God at work in some of these small ways, it shows me, man, if God cares about that, God certainly cares. But all the big stuff happened in my life, too. And that's my prayer for you and for me today. As we leave here, as we think about all these things that are happening in our lives, all these things that we think we've been in control of, my prayer, my prayer is this, King Jesus, arise. Arise in my life today. In those things that I've been worried about, in those things that I just think I have control of, King Jesus, arise in my life. In those plans that I have for tomorrow, God, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know when I take that next step if it's going to go the way I thought. But no matter what, arise, King Jesus. You care about those boys on a cruise. You certainly care about that. And when I struggle with my worth and I struggle with my value and I think certainly, certainly Jesus couldn't love me enough to cover all my sins. Certainly there's something more I have to do to be worth it to God. When that happens, those thoughts come in, I, my prayers arise, King Jesus, in my forevers. Arise and cover over all those sins. Arise and remind me that you are King and I am not for a very good reason. And so my heart and my prayer for you today is whatever you may be going through, and I can't pretend to know it all, Whatever you may be going through, my prayer is that you would be able to stop and to take a deep breath, to stare out that window, and to say, Arise, King Jesus. Arise. Amen? Amen. Amen. You stand so we can pray together. Father God, you are so good. You are so good and you prove your goodness in so many ways. And in that day, as you wrote it on that donkey, God, you were setting the stage for the greatest act of love and of dedication a king could ever show his subjects. God, thank you. Thank you that we can continue to look to you as our king. Thank you that we don't always have to have it all together, that we don't have to be in control. God, let us have the courage to trust you. And God, whatever it is that's happening in the lives of everyone here today, God, I trust, I trust that you will be king, that you know what's going to happen, that you know what needs to happen. And God, I, I pray for all of us that we, we will have the courage to trust, 
rather than control. So, Father, we put these things in your hands, these things that are on our hearts right now, these things that have been stirred up over the last half an hour. God, I ask for you to hear those things right now, to calm our worries, to calm our fears, and to know that you, you, Jesus, are king. And thank God we are not. So, King Jesus, arise. Arise in our life. Arise in our relationships. Arise in every aspect of this world. And now, King Jesus, arise in our worship as we lift you up and sing praises to you because of how good and how gracious you are. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. And receive the blessing of our God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace of knowing he's got this. And that's why he gets to be king. Amen.